when we talk about Easter, you don't have to be particularly spiritual to believe in resurrection. If you have been through a loss situation in your life, you have hoped for resurrection. If you think about it, no matter what the loss, if you have been through a divorce, if you're going through a divorce, that's loss. And in that loss, you hope that something new will come out of it. If you've been through the loss of a home due to natural disaster or any kind of disaster that was caused by yourself or somebody else, you have hope in resurrection. You have hope in something new. If you've ever lost your job and you've gone looking for a new one, you've experienced loss and you've looked for resurrection. If you've had a terminal diagnosis and you go to the doctor for treatment and you pray for a miracle for you or a loved one, you hope for resurrection. If you have had severe depression and you've gone through the dark days of walking that road, you've hoped for resurrection. If you've been the victim of violence or injustice, you've been oppressed, you've gone through abuse, and you never thought you'd ever be the same again, you have hoped for resurrection. If you've had a relationship that's fallen apart with a son or a daughter or a grandchild, a mother or a father, and you're ostracized and you don't speak anymore, every single holiday that rolls around, you have the hope for resurrection. If you've lost a loved one, and yet everything within you resists the fact that perhaps there's an afterlife, you don't believe in God. There's a small part of every one of us that wishes it was true. You see, we all need and we all hope for resurrection. We all hope for it and we all need it. And the amazing part about this season is we get to talk about it. So no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, no matter where you are in your spiritual inquiry, the common thing that I think holds us all together as a created people is that we hope for and we long for resurrection when we go through the darkest of times, when we go through difficulty. The interesting part about this account of Jesus dying and then rising again on the third day is that dead people don't rise from the dead. It just doesn't happen. And it didn't happen 2,000 years ago any more than it happens today. It's not as if once Jesus died on that cross that a few days later his followers somehow gathered around the tomb and started counting down from 10 and waited for him to emerge. Every one of his followers were in deep despair and despondency. They didn't expect a resurrection any more than you and I might expect it. You see, there was no expectation for resurrection. No one expected it. And yet it came. No one was waiting for it. And yet it happened. I think the smallest part of who they were as followers, much like us, hoped for resurrection. But they knew the impossibility of it, for it had never happened before. And the amazing part about us celebrating resurrection today and understanding the story and reading it is that it makes resurrection possible. That nobody had ever risen from the dead before, nor since. And yet in that moment, hope was given to us as humanity. Hope that when we see nations torn apart across the globe, that they will rebuild. Hope that when planes crash into buildings and they come tumbling down, that there will be a future. Hope that when you receive that diagnosis, 
there is a promise on the other end of it. Hope that as you go through that divorce, that new life will emerge at the other side. Hope that even though you're not talking to that loved one and, and, and there's a real brokenness in the relationship, that there could be possibly, potentially one day, a restoration to it. Hope that in the middle of that depression, in the middle of that frustration of going through a, a, a disaster, that something new will emerge. Because one person died and one person rose from the dead. And without that, we have no hope. Let's jump into the story. In John chapter 20, John, one of Jesus' disciples, records for us the events of that day. And he says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, one of the followers of Jesus, who had lived a life that was very much not in keeping with what God would desire for her, and yet had come to experience resurrection in her own life, a spiritual renewal a spiritual and social resurrection and coming to repentance and understanding who God is and being restored to the community that she was a part of. And she went to the tomb not looking for resurrection, but to grieve and mourn, as we all do when we go to tombs. Not looking for new life, but only expecting to find more death. And in despair... Her despair takes her there. And she saw, and I want you to note this word because we're going to see it over and over again. You're going to see the word saw or seeing or look. So look for that and I've highlighted it for you as we go. She saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And her first thought was not, Jesus is alive. The first thing that struck her is that somebody stole the body. Because dead people don't rise from the dead. And John records this for us and he continues to say in the next verse, so she came running to Simon Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, and the other disciple whom we find out later is actually John. So John and Simon are sitting together and Mary Magdalene comes running in and she reports to them what happened. And she says, they have taken the Lord out. You notice she doesn't come and sort of report, hey, guess what? What, Everything he taught and said was true. Resurrection's possible. He's now alive. It's the thing we've been expecting this whole time. Finally, it's come to reality. Now we have hope. Now we can rejoice and sing. Our grieving is over. A new day has broken forth. No, she comes with what seems to be very sad news. She has no hope. And she reports that Jesus has been stolen from the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. And this grieves her very much. John continues to record, so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. And they're running not because they have hope of seeing Jesus, but because they want to find the body. If your loved one was stolen out of a grave, I think you'd be a little irate at the Gravekeeper, wouldn't you? But the other disciple outran Peter, he records, and reached the tomb first. I wonder what it is they expect to find. Good thing John records it for us. He bent over and he looked. He looked in and he saw the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. 
Then Simon Peter, who came along behind him because he hadn't trained quite as much, and went straight into the tomb. Peter, without hesitation, goes in, not looking for Jesus, not looking for a resurrected man, but in awe of the fact that he was gone. Continuing, John says, he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So Mary comes and reports that Jesus has been stolen. Peter and John arrive. John stops at the entrance to the tomb and just looks in. I mean, after all, you don't really want to go where dead people are. Peter, though, without hesitation, enters in and he sees that if the body had been removed, it is most likely without covering. And he doesn't know what to make of it. Continuing, John says this, Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, did he have evidence? No. Was there proof? No. But John says that when he saw, he believed. He couldn't explain it. He didn't know where the body had gone. But something was triggered within him that caused him to believe something was going on beyond what his senses were perceiving. Beyond what he saw. But he didn't understand because look at what he records for us in the next verse. They still did not understand. John believes, but he doesn't understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. You see, and so as you and I continue in our lives and we have this hope for resurrection, we might believe but not understand. You see, because for John, believing came before understanding. And maybe that's what the invitation is for us today, is to believe before we fully understand. And you do this in your life all the time, believe it or not. The second you got into your car today and you started it, you had no clue how that thing works. You believed when you got into it, inserted the key and turned it, that it would start and it would go. But you didn't understand how it's working together in there to make the car go. Every time you start the oven and you throw something inside, you don't know how the controls work and how it's engineered to make that heat up and go. But you believe when you push the button, it's going to start. You see, for John, his spiritual experience was such that he saw something, he noticed it, and he believed. He didn't fully understand. And I think back in my spiritual journey and how I come to this, resol- uh, re- uh, this understanding, revelation of who God is in my life, I see that pattern throughout my life. There are so many times where I believe just in small increments that's, that something was different and I noticed something before I ever came to understanding. And see, I think when it comes to our spiritual lives, we want to have understanding before we'll believe, but that's not the way belief works. None of us went down to the DMV and took our driver's license test after we had studied mechanical engineering and understood the combustion engine. We drive a car on belief without understanding how it works. And we don't have to come to an understanding to believe. 
And it was the same for John, and it's the same for us today. John continues in his story by saying this, Then the disciples went back. They returned to where they were staying, where they didn't know what else to do. Continuing the next verse, Now Mary stood outside the tomb, so she has followed them back to the tomb, and she is despondent. She's crying. As she wept, she bent over and she looked into the tomb, continuing, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the other foot. Interesting. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Well, what a foolish question is this? Standing in a tomb. The body's missing. It's probably naked. I'm crying. It makes sense. Nobody cries at expected resurrection. They cry at death and loss. And this is where she is. Continuing, they have taken my Lord away, she said. And she's still living in this narrative. And I don't know where they have put him. She's desperate. Here's the most fascinating, interesting part of this account that John writes down for us. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. She saw, but she didn't realize. Have you ever noticed something, but not really realized it? You see, here's what happens to Mary. Mary notices, but she doesn't recognize. I remember one time when I was a lot younger, um, I was working on a church staff with, with college students, and we'd started this alternative Saturday night service. There was a young man and his wife who were coming, and they would come regularly, and we would we'd do the service, and they really enjoyed it because it was Saturday night. They were kind of late out, night owls, and they got to stay up late and do that on Saturday night. They didn't really want to get up for Sunday morning. So we would do that service, and I'd do like a little teaching, that kind of thing. Well, one day, she passed away in her sleep, and she's probably in her 20s, just unexpectedly. I remember um, how despondent he was, and how sad he was, and he would come, and we would have conversation. And I just remember some months went by, and he came one day, and she wasn't there. And of course she wasn't there. She'd passed away. But, and, and, and I noticed that. I mean, noticed she was missing. And it started, the words started to come out of my mouth. Where's your what? And I remembered she'd passed away. You see, I, in that moment, I noticed she was gone, but I didn't recognize that she had passed away. Even after I already knew it. So if you're looking for pastoral care, don't come to me. That's sort of the moral of this tale. Okay? Because I get hyper-focused and, and sometimes I miss stuff like that. And, I, and it just came out of my mouth and I felt so horrible for it. But I, I noticed she was missing. But I didn't recognize. And so the question for you and for me in this spiritual journey that you and I are on, wherever we are in it, is we can do a whole lot of noticing that God at work, but not recognizing that it is God at work. We can do a whole lot of noticing of, of God interjecting Himself in our lives and in some way uh, begging us to come to know Him in deeper ways and yet not recognize that it is God who's pursuing us. 
I think for most of us, we can look at areas of our lives and we can see that God perhaps has been at work or, or it was coincidental or something happened, but we don't recognize that it is God who is at work in our lives, that your Heavenly Father loves you so much that He would intercede on your behalf and He would work on your behalf for your good. And so we call it luck, coincidence, serendipity. And we miss the fact, just like Mary misses it entirely. We notice, but we don't recognize. The message of Easter is that we can recognize and we can have hope again. John continues for recording this for us. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? So Jesus asked the same question the angels asked. Why are you crying? Especially because I'm just standing here talking to you. Who is it you were looking for? So she sees Jesus out of her peripheral vision. She notices he's there, but she doesn't recognize him. And I wonder if you see God at work in your life in a peripheral manner, but you haven't yet set your eyes on him yet. I wonder if you've, you've, you've noticed your heavenly father working on your behalf and and begging to know you in deeper ways, and yet, you've missed it. You haven't recognized. Why is Mary confused? Good thing John records this for us in the next verse. Thinking he was the gardener, because she still doesn't believe dead people rise from the dead. It must be the gardener. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. So, so don't think when we reflect on this story that somehow everybody in that time was somehow anticipating this miraculous resurrection. There was no hope. There was zero expectation. So much so that they were blinded to the fact that Jesus stood before them. That's the level of grief going on here. And so don't think you're foolish because you haven't become convinced yet. Don't think that in some way God isn't still at work to pursue you even when you failed to recognize His presence in your life. She still thinks something has happened to the body. Look what happens next. Jesus said to her, Mary. He had already been talking to her. He would asked why she was crying, who she was looking for. And she still didn't even recognize his voice until he said her name. Because when your heavenly father says your name, there is nothing more precious to your ears. Your heavenly father is calling your name every single moment. He said, Mary. And she turned toward Him. God is calling your name every single day in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your loss of hope, in the midst of that diagnosis, in the midst of the disaster, in the midst of the abuse, in the midst of the divorce, in the midst of the loss of a job or bankruptcy or whatever it is you've gone through that is a loss and death death experience. He is pursuing you and He is calling your name. And that is the beauty of Easter. And our only hope is to turn toward Him. And she cried out in Aramaic. As you can imagine, her despair turns into joy. 
in the blink of an eye. Rabboni, which means teacher. So all of us, if we're honest, no matter where we are on the spiritual spectrum, even if we are completely atheistic in our beliefs, in some way hope that there is a new day after the death and loss. We all hope that. Question for you and for me is this. Where are you looking? Where are you looking? Because your Heavenly Father desires you to look to Him. And He has been pursuing you for years and years. And you've noticed but you've not realized. Our hope and prayer for you is that today you would stop noticing, start realizing your Heavenly Father loves you.